Hey guys, welcome to the third episode of Push Boundaries. I'm your host, Push. Uh, today I'm sitting with uh, Alex Elder. He's a West Elm High graduate, uh, class of 2010. Um, Oregon State graduate, um, class of 2015. Also did wrestling. Um, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here, Push. Um, just for a brief introduction, uh, explain to the people who you are, what you do. Uh, so, well, now I am a realtor, but like, as you mentioned uh, previously, throughout high school and college, I was a wrestler and that was a big part of my life and uh, got a lot of life lessons out of wrestling that I'm still working with and applying today that kind of I attribute to where I am. And so, yeah, formerly a wrestler. I actually still coach wrestling, but uh, mostly do real estate nowadays. Okay. Um what kind of motivation stuff do you talk to the kids that are wrestling now? I mean, cause you've been doing it for a while. So, I mean, how do you teach on that? Do you teach like passion or what kind of motivation talks do you, do you have with the kids? Well, you know, it's I, at the middle school level. That's where I coach these days. I have coached, you know, high school, um, back in college, we'd have camps every summer and we get a lot into the mindset, uh, at those college wrestling or wrestling camps that I held when I was at college. Cause those are the kids that, you know, they're, they've got college aspirations. They're putting their time in, in the summertime, you know, where they could go be having fun on vacation. They're coming and they're spending it at a wrestling camp, you know? So those are the dedicated kids and we'll, yeah, dive into mindsets with them all, all day long with these wrestlers in middle school. It's all about just having fun. You know, they're there. It's like kind of like glorified babysitting a little bit, but um, no, it's all about just making sure that they're, you know, there to have fun and, and going to stick with it and, yeah. and, you know, that's, that's what it's all about at that level that we mostly get in, into it with. But, um, so yeah, I mean, like you said, you're, you're currently a real estate agent. Um, do you, is this your full-time gig or do you also have part-time you do coach, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Technically. I mean, technically that's a paid job. Yeah. I don't do it for the money or anything like that. Yeah. My, my full-time job is real estate. Real estate. Yeah. Okay. Um, for a person, I mean, wanting to get into real estate, like what advice do you have? So, well, that if it's somebody that doesn't want to just tip, dip their toes into the water and they actually want to have a career in real estate, my best advice I could give them is to just get licensed as quick as you can kind of thing, you know, um, getting uh, licensed and all the thing that you're going to do uh, studying wise to get yourself licensed isn't going to make you a great real estate agent. You've got to get licensed and get your foot feet basically wet, so to speak, mm -hmm. and start working with clients. And that's what's really going to teach you real estate. You know, uh, studying for your test is going to get you, you know, the knowledge to basically be above board, make sure you're not getting yourself in any kind of uh, trouble with uh, with uh, discrimination or anything like that. It teaches you basically how to do real estate mm -hmm. legally, but it doesn't teach you about how to actually meet those clients' needs and exceed their expectations and actually how to, you know, sell their house and help them find the next house and make sure they're not left homeless in the process. Mm -hmm. So really, I'd say if you're eager to get started in real estate, mm -hmm. do everything you can to get your license. Most people that have, you know, graduated high school, graduated college, know how to study and pass a test. Do that and get that out of the way as quick as possible. And then seek out mentors or find yourself a really good brokerage that has good tools and systems in place that will teach you all the rest. I say just get started somewhere yeah. with that. I feel, yeah, like practice makes perfect. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I also heard like from other people like taking the test that the stuff you take on the test like isn't necessarily 
what you practice in the field. It's more about kind of communication skills. And like you said, just kind of, you know, eventually getting people into a house that they love. Mm -hmm. And it's about creating like an emotional experience. Yeah, exactly. It's, it seems like that with a lot of education that, you know, what you're learning in a classroom isn't, you know, exactly related to what you're going to be doing in that field. And so the quicker you can get that out of the way, get the, the studying, the stuff that isn't so fun and boring to actually get that out of the way and get to what you're really doing, which is helping people find that home that they love. That emotional uh, is a pretty emotional thing when you do that the first time for somebody and they're super stoked on it and you've just delivered on that. It's pretty powerful. So yeah, just getting to that to the whole reason why you actually do do it as mm-hmm. quick as possible. I would say that's my advice. Um, do you think it's for everyone? Mm, you know, I, I don't think anything is for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, there's, there's a lot to real estate, mm-hmm. especially that I, I can say with a relatively high degree of confidence, it's not for everyone. You know, you, there's a certain way that you need to uh, be able to work with people that a lot of people, not a lot of people, but certain people just that they're not going to find it. They're not going to be interested in doing it. You know, you uh, can find yourself working way outside of the realm of a normal nine to five. Um, And depending on who you're working with, your clients, you almost kind of need to, um, to, to be flexible and catering to them and their needs, because uh, you never know, you know, before you start working with somebody, what they're like personally. Sometimes people need a lot more handholding throughout a process and or they're going to, if you're not a person with a high degree of patience and being able to walk with them and take their hand and basically retell them something over and over again, sometimes people need, um, you know, to be walked through something, not necessarily because they're not intelligent or don't need uh mm-hmm you to tell it to them they're just high strung sometimes and need to be basically uh kind of relaxed through something and uh but because yeah, i feel like especially because it's commission-based yeah i mean so i feel like when people think if when people think you're you're your own boss they think that the job is really it becomes easier but that's not really the case right because you still have to you have to go out of your way. You're basically marketing yourself. Yeah. And in in reality, in a lot of ways, your clients are your boss. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, because if you don't have clients, you don't have, first of all, you don't have a boss and which maybe if you have a boss, you don't like right now, that kind of sounds like a good thing. But if you don't have a boss and you don't have a job, you don't have income and you're not, you know, you're not going to be in the business very long. So um, you've got to kind of look at your clients like your boss. Um, but it's, it's an interesting dynamic because they're not in real estate. You are the professional in real estate. So you're really guiding them through the process, even though without them, you wouldn't have a job. So it's basically a really symbiotic you know, relationship. You need to do good work for your clients and they need you as their agent to guide them through a very complicated process. That's why, you know, they're paying you a commission. Yeah, so that's true. Um, one of the biggest issues I've, I've found is that so many cus- or consumers uh, think that all realtors do the same things to sell homes. So how do you avoid picking a poor realtor to work with from hmm. a consumer mind? That's a good question. 
I'd say to avoid picking a poor realtor, give yourself an opportunity to interview more than one mm-hmm. because it, I mean, statistics show that 80% of people will actually hire the first realtor they sit down with. And the best way to safeguard against that is just give yourself one more interview with at least one more and compare. And, you know, when you're as a consumer, you know, there's lots of different things that can be told to you from a real estate agent, you know, about how they're going to do this to sell your house, how they're going to do this to sell your house. What it really comes down to is the actual result and who's going to get it sold. So ask them, you know, how many houses have you sold this year? What's your uh, average days on market? What's your list of sales price ratio? And those are the questions that I give my clients when I'm in inter- when they're interviewing me to ask other agents that they sit down with, so they know their numbers and uh, they can tell uh, whether that agent is producing a high amount of volume or not. So, like, say if you're new in the game, right? You sit down with with some clients, but you're new to the game. You haven't really sold any houses yet. What advice can you give to that new realtor? I mean, is it going to be like that? Like, how do you essentially get your first home on the uh, on the market? Well, there's plenty of ways to do that. Um, plenty of ways. I mean, one uh, is some realtors actually join a team with other realtors. I mean, if you because it's a pretty daunting thing to go out, especially someone my age. You know, when I first got into real estate, I didn't even own a home, mm-hmm. so. Uh, to have not even bought or sold one and to then go be helping somebody else through the process. It was a pretty, uh, like I said, daunting uh, thought. So one thing people do is they join a team. Other agents that are in the business uh, were willing to mentor newer agents and kind of basically show them the ropes. And I mean, that's a good way for a lot of agents to get started. Basically, they get the help of an experienced agent and then they also um, can have the confidence when they're talking to clients saying that, you know, they've got, uh, it's not just them, you know, it's Mm -hmm. other agents that are behind them, or you could go solo. I know plenty of people that start out solo. And what it is, is, I mean, you just really, I don't ever, I don't think it's ever a good idea to, uh, try to conceal that you're new. Okay. Uh, if it doesn't come up, it doesn't come up and that you don't, I don't think you need to be waving a flag, letting people know you're new. I think maybe that isn't a sign of confidence. Um, but if it comes up, just be honest with your client and wear it and show them, you know, yeah, I am getting started in this business, but before you were a real estate agent, you were something else. You know, you were either a student or in my case, a a wrestler that had a you know, a really successful background. And it was because of my hard work and commitment. And so basically I just, you know, my first few clients, I just had that approach came across with, you know, I may be new in this field, but uh, I'm no stranger to hard work and persistence. And I'm going to get, do what it takes to get your house sold. Mm -hmm. And uh, that in my case worked and pretty soon I had experience and, and then I didn't have to do that anymore. So I would just say for somebody brand new getting started, draw from your previous experiences and let those basically let you hang your hat on those and give you the confidence to take into your new career as a real estate agent. I like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Confidence is key, man. And everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So what are some ways to make your home more marketable, like improving or properly staging a home or maintenance? Yeah. So, I mean, the best analogy I can use for, for that is, when you're selling a home, you, 
especially if you've lived in it a long time, if you compare it to a canvas, okay, you originally have a blank canvas, okay, and you've painted your whole story in that canvas of your life and your time living there. Maybe you have kids and you've been there for a decade or more. Um, what you want to do is for somebody that's not as much as you love that home and you see it as your home, okay, is you don't want to give that uh, impression to somebody else when you are having it on the market, having it be seen by potential mm-hmm. purchasers of it. You want it to basically be a blank canvas again so they can see themselves painting their own picture in in your home so what i suggest is i don't want people to remove every single item and make it almost look you know vacant that's too far but there is a happy medium where you want to if you have tons and tons of family photos yeah family photos is a big one even a few family photos you know that over a mantle or something that's fine you just don't want your wall covered with them Um, and then just certain, certain things like, um, if you have a certain sellers I work with have collections of different things that they, that they like, whether it's cars or certain pictures of, I've seen people have pictures of frogs or something like that. Just a a whole excess amount of something that doesn't need to be there. Um, I just have that conversation with them. During the time that your house is on the market, let's just go ahead and put those in a room where, you know, somebody can come in here and really see where they would do with the place. And, and, and when you create that image for a potential buyer, you're a lot more likely to have them produce an offer for, for the seller. So I do that for uh, basically their benefit for the amount of money that they can expect to receive and the time of mm-hmm. that there's going to be sitting on the market before they get an offer. Was there like a stat? I remember you telling me like a while back, I'm not sure if there is, but is there a stat where, you, where most people walk into a home? And then from there, it's like a certain percentage that are like, yep, this is the home for home for me. Mm. Or is that off like Zillow when they look at? Um, you know, I'm not entirely sure about a certain percentage of people that when they walk into the room, mm-hmm. you know, then they know they're going to buy it or not. But I do know that I have heard this statistic. I don't even know the exact percentage. So now maybe we're just making <laughs> statistics up. But there is a high percentage of people that when they do walk into a home, you know, the term first impressions are like everything. It's somewhere between like eight to 12 seconds, uh, a high number of people. I'm not even going to guess hazard to guess, but I think it's over 70% of people know whether they're genuinely interested in the home or whether they're just going to walk through it with their realtor kind of just, you know, thinking in the back of their mind, they've already written it off. You know, mm-hmm. the people within the first 10 to 12 seconds are, you know, pretty keen on whether wow this is something i'm really considering or you know uh what thinking already of what the next one on their list they're going to go see is so that's why it is key to basically have the entryway everything you know the door you don't want it chipping paint anything like that or cobwebs and everything like that but you want the first impression of the home to be really really good because that's going to set the stage for the whole rest of the showing and whether they're really going to you know consider it as a contender to buy they make it presentable as well. Keep yeah. It clean. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's... I mean, like, from the room, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stuff on the kitchen counter right now. But <laughs> from where we're sitting at, what stuff do you think can be changed to make this room more presentable? Mm. Like if you're See. selling your home. Well, you know? said it yourself right off off the bat. You know, it's just excess clutter. Um, like, 
cutting board that doesn't need to be out <laughs> or, you know, just general items on the counter, which is, you know, that's uh, a given. But then also things like I would say uh, in this dining room, and the living room, the carpets right here could, could be mm-hmm. uh, done away with. They just create like an extra pattern that doesn't really flow with the room mm-hmm. as much as if they were to just be, plus this is nice flooring under the carpet here too. And I think um, as much of that uh, wood floor, the more of it showing the better for a buyer. Um, so that's one thing I would start with. Uh, and also too, like I was mentioning a few things just on the walls as well, but really all in all, it's not, not too bad. There, yeah. It would really, you could get this place and, half an hour actually of just moving things around uh, generally staged and looking a lot different than how it does right now. And like basically making it more open, huh? Cause this is like we were saying before, like this is a big room, but it looks small because of, because of all like items small, in here, yeah, small little items everywhere. Exactly. But yeah. I can agree. Like the carpet, um, maybe just rearranging a few things. Yeah. Yeah, around. exactly. You know, that's one thing I always tell my sellers too, is I get, especially before I meet with them, some of them are, have a sense of they need to basically start like a whole remodel or they need to do this and this and that. And it's adding up to hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars in their head when, you know, I can basically talk to them about, you know, what do you want for your house? And um, sometimes, you know, what they need to do to get what they want is they don't have to do a single thing remodel wise. They just need to kind of tidy up to clear some things out. Um, maybe in certain cases do a little bit of painting, interior painting and stuff like that, which is pretty minimal. And before they know it, we can list it and get it, get it sold. So, I mean, a lot of times I mean, the best thing for somebody to do when they're getting their house ready is to meet with a realtor to kind of have those conversations rather than assuming what they think is going to take to sell the house and doing what may be a lot more than what they even need to put into the house. Mm-hmm. So, so when the market is down, it's slow for realtors, right? Mm, yeah. Okay. And then, I mean, do people still buy or sell homes even when the market is down? I mean, I know it's not ideal, but I mean. Yeah. People still do sell and buy homes, um, but the number definitely goes down. You know, these days, I mean, for instance, just over the last like four years, the market has been in a constant trend of going up. Um, and people could afford to sell more as a luxury rather than out of necessity. You know, people are selling just because they knew they had so much equity in their home. They want to cash out on it, go on vacation, do whatever else they want to do and buy an even nicer home and that sort of thing. You know, when times are good, people can afford to do good things like that. And a lot more of it when the market is down. I mean, the the reality is people are always going to need to sell, buy homes, especially like in an economic shakeup. People tend to change jobs a lot more, get laid off. They need to move to a new job and potentially sell their home because, you know, they got a new job in a different state. All of these factors play into why people still need to sell and buy, but people's belts, you know, tighten and uh, there's certain people that otherwise would have sold. They had a plan to sell, you know, in a few years and get a bigger home or something, but economically uh, it wouldn't be wise of them to do it or possible. So uh, the number definitely dwindles of, mm-hmm. of home sales, but will never go away. I was reading an article and uh, <laughs> listening to like multiple podcasts where uh, a lot of like entrepreneurs and investors say that buying a home in 2019 is not a good idea just because you are then stuck pretty much with that home. 
Um, what do you what do you say about that? Do you think it's a good time? You know, as a real estate agent, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's always going to be, you know, buying a home as long as you can afford to make those payments and you aren't overextending yourself. I think a lot of t- reason people, so many people lost their, uh, basically lost everything in 08 was because they were overextending themselves. And a lot of it was subprime mortgages where people were lending without even having proof of employment in a lot of cases. People were getting multiple houses uh, without even getting their income verified by a lender. And when it all came crashing down and they couldn't make their payments, I mean, it's it, it was kind of like a no-brainer that that was going to happen. Um, to, to think that, you know, to say that buying in 2019 is a bad idea is basically hedging your bets on that you're going to predict the future because we don't know whether we are going to see, you know, a downturn or whether, because basically it was just, just at the beginning of last year that home prices have exceeded where they were prior to the economic crash of 08. We've just now gotten past that. So are we really in a huge, huge bubble or have we just recovered to the point of where we were previously? I mean, I'm asking these questions because, you know, I'm not going to say I really know if the market does tank in 2019, which there is evidence that says it won't. And then there's lots of people that are saying because we've had such a big, you know, rally of of home value increase over the last, you know, few years that it's inevitable. Um, But yeah, if the market does go down in 2019, then yeah, it would be a bad year to buy, I would say. Mm-hmm. But so I, I don't know myself whether it will or the not. Market then, right? Exactly. Yeah. So speaking about the market, how do you prepare for a slow market? I mean, the I know a lot of realtors, you know, you don't want to, they get excited, like especially when you're new in the field. You sell some homes, you buy a new car, you know, you get a new Beamer, a new Benz. Yeah. I mean, so... I mean, yeah, you do want to save, obviously, right, in a slow market. But how do you really prepare for it, for one? Mm. Well, I mean, a big part of preparing, not just saving and having a good a nest egg, you need that, mm-hmm. but then also not overextending yourself, not mm-hmm. buying, you know, that Beamer unless you can, you know, you know you can. It's, it's really hard in a uh, fully commissioned job because you'd like to say that you know that you can pay for it. But unless you've got the money to pay for it all outright, and let's say, God forbid, there was a big crash or anything like that, I mean, you wouldn't have the means to pay for it. So, I mean, the really the smartest way to set yourself up to weather a storm like that is to not bite off more than you can chew and, you know, get yourself into long-term loans where, you know, you don't know what your income is going to look like three to five years from now if you've got one of those, you know, high-priced car loans like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you know, just, just making sure you're making smart, uh, purchase yeah. choices, I would say smart choices, be yeah. smart about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, also read that a lack of communication is one of the biggest complaints. Um, how important is that? Biggest complaints, uh, like from clients, mm-hmm. from how yeah. it, so- I think that's important pretty much in every field. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to communicate with your realtor and you know what I mean? Like, how flexible, like say, how flexible are you with your customers? I mean, is there like, just, do you tell them like, Hey, just call me anytime, leave me a text message. Like, like you're always in contact with them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I pretty much am. Um, 
you know, you, as a realtor, you've got to be a little bit careful about because I mean, there's times where I'm working with helping, you know, they're in escrow. They're at the same time, nine to 10 people. And um, so I've set certain boundaries of like, you know, unless it's um, a really big, you know, emergency or anything like that, try not to talk after like seven o'clock at night. But that doesn't mean that I don't, if there's a, uh, something that needs it and, you know, there's a pressing time sensitive matter. I'm talking to my clients sometimes. I don't even like to admit this that much, but like sometimes I'm talking to them, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And uh, so, I mean, it is really important to be available for your clients because even if, you know, you are trying to protect your time and, you know, you are doing it in a way where, you know, you aren't going to go show your clients homes on the weekends or you aren't going to talk to them on the weekend or something like that, you can do that. But, you know, a client um, may or may not take offense to that and not want to work with you after, you know, too long of doing that. So I always try to make myself available pretty much all times for my clients and it's worked out really well and I get a lot of referrals from it, but you know, it's also something that does, you know, everything of your time, you know, that you're putting towards something, you are sacrificing something else. So it's, it's not totally easy to do that, but it is something that, um, that I do. Yeah. That I I do do. (laughs) You want to make that money. You want to have a good relationships with people. You have to, you got, you got to go out of your way and yeah. About that connection. Um, describe what a, a realtor's day may be like, like a typical day for hmm. a realtor. So, I mean, that, that question varies so much, but, uh, what, a depending on how a re- realtor is planning to get their business or how much business they have at that time. I mean, first and foremost, say if you're a new realtor mm-hmm. and you don't have a lot of deals or you say you don't have any deals going on, that's your first and foremost. You need to be going out and finding customers that are going to either buy a house with you or sell a house with you. That's your number one goal. And you, um, there's lots of different methods of doing that. You know, there's for sale by owners out there, which are people that are, aren't using an agent trying to sell a house on their own, which, uh, the statistics, this is a statistic I do know is like 89% of for sale by owners eventually list with a real estate agent within less than a month of being listed on by themselves. So that's a FSBO is an acronym for for sale by owner. Real estate agents also call that fastest source of business opportunity because there's somebody that they don't know it, but they need an agent and they need to sell their house. And so an agent that wants to go get business fast can go talk to for sale by owners, or, you know, you can go um, look at listings that have expired in the past and try to talk to those owners, or you can, you know, go out. What I mostly do is I network, you know, I'm part of a networking group that meets once a week um, with like 30 different people in it. And um, I mean, that's huge. Like you yeah. have to network in this oh, field. You have to. That's yeah. basically all of it. Huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. But so say you have lots of clients, then your day is filled with, you know, a number of different activities, depending on what point you are in the transaction, you know, every transaction you're going to need to have a home inspection on, whether you're the seller or the buyer, you know, some, if you're the buyer's agent, you're at that home inspection, you know, to get a firsthand look at it. So even though I don't, you know, do anything as far as uh, like handyman stuff or anything like that, I've got a really uh, good knowledge of what, you know, certain issues to look out for on a house are and aren't because I've been on hundreds 
and seeing hundreds of inspection reports from inspectors. And I'm always there for that. So that's one thing that's pretty cool that I get to see that, you know, I'm out of the office for that and um, gets to be a little bit of a, something different in, in my day that I don't think a lot of people really get to do. Um, but yeah, you know, home inspections, negotiating repairs after that home inspection, that's a really big thing that can go, you know, back and forth. Um, going to the closings, I never miss a closing with a client once we're finally there uh, and everything, all the contingencies are met. I'm there at the title company during the signing and everything like that um, and making sure that it's all, you know, a smooth process from start to finish. But it really depends. It's a mix of being in my office doing some boring paperwork type things that are definitely necessary and going out and meeting with clients, showing them homes and a lot of face-to-face, you know, belly-to-belly, sometimes hard conversations, sometimes some pretty uh, crazy negotiation. And then, you know, uh, it's always by the end of the day, pretty, pretty draining. (laughs) I I mean, this is definitely a growing field. I mean, talk to you about it i'm about to get in there i just got to take my test you know get it going yeah um but like yeah, i man, said that's my number one advice get that test get passed test, huh? <laughs> but yeah man i'm excited for it um but hey thanks for coming in man thanks for being on the podcast yeah you bet thank you for having me um also uh make sure you like and rate and subscribe if you haven't already and also um i mean i'm live on instagram all the time start using my facebook more so just drop, you know, drop a message and let me let me uh, know what you guys want to hear. And possibly if you guys even want to be on the podcast, um, there's a chance. So just shoot me a message and we could go from there. But other than that, rate and subscribe. And Alex, thank you one more time, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot.